talk about like hey we decided hi this is jesus tv um this is called finding jesus in the mess that's the television program that you're watching on jesus tv and we were just doing some preliminary discussions about um some of the behind the behind the scenes uh behind at least um emily's scenes of um what this program uh, has evolved into or meant to her. So if, Emily, you can continue that discussion so people can hear about it. Okay. So last week we did a lot of talking and, and we decided that we want to do, we're going to try to make this into a podcast. Um, and Greg decided that we should call it finding Jesus in this mess. And we also still want to keep it a YouTube, but I think we think that we're going to do like an individual like YouTube channel just for it so that we can each put more content on it if we want and we'll kind of share it. Uh, the other thing I, that I've decided to do is um, we decided to split profits from any painting sales three ways. So, for example, last week's painting just sold. I just posted it yesterday, and it sold within a, a few hours, which is really a miracle. And uh, so we decided. So I decided just to split it three ways, so we can help cover the cost of uh, our time and also making the program. And so, kind of the direction we're going, and we haven't quite got it together yet. We'll be sure and let you all know. But um, we're thinking Jonathan's going to try to take charge of the podcast. Um, I'll take cards of the paintings and kind of help with some of the channel art as needed. And I think Greg will just keep doing the YouTube, but it's the option is so that we can keep doing it, you know, every week. And if one of us can't do it, then the rest of us can still keep going. And so that's kind of the thing. And, and the whole reason, um, we don't know where it's going to go. And, but, um, like this whole program means a lot to me. It was an answer. Jonathan and Greg contacting me it was an answer to prayers. I felt very lost for a very long time just religiously and spiritually, like I knew I needed Jesus, but it's really hard to find Jesus on your own. Um, and that's something I've been I'm thinking about too. Like the stuff that comes out from us working together and being together and discussing, it's just together we are so much more than we are alone. And I, and I think that's really common with, with Jesus and finding Jesus. And I told Jesus um, earlier, actually repeatedly over the last few years since I've started this project, that if he would provide for my family and I, um, with normal, with my normal job, then I would give everything I made to him, all the art that I made. And so I feel like, and so I've been selling some art and I haven't known what to do with that money. I've just been like holding on to it and I haven't known where to put it. And so I think splitting it between the three of us, I think is a fantastic way to um, kind of fund the channel. And, you know, we can each use it for whatever we want, but it's just knowing that it's a way for God to take care of us, but also for us to all help each other out. And that's some of my thoughts that I've had over the last the last week. Yeah, that sounds like it's from Jesus. Um, and um, both Jonathan and I are grateful to Emily um, for following that prompting. Um, both Jonathan and I kind of live on on the edge, uh, the the uh, manna edge. Um, in fact. I, I just told my wife, I said, it looks like Jesus wants us to have some propane because I'm like, went out and checked the propane tank and it was like below 5%. And I'd ordered some propane, like, okay, I can um, take the minimum amount. They'll, they'll throw in there a uh, hundred gallons. And um, I'm like, well, I wonder how Jesus is going to pay for that. And that's part of my relationship with Jesus is, is an understanding he said he'd take care of me. So um, it's hard to believe that, uh, honestly, because he's like invisible. If it was my earthly dad, 
I'd be like, oh, he loves me so much. And if, if he was a trillionaire, oh, my student loans would be paid off. He would totally just lavish me. Um, uh, and I would do that with my kids, too. I'm just like, man, um, Jesus knows just what to do uh, and, and how much money to give me and how much pain to give me. So I keep crying out to him. And that's one of the things I've had to accept is like, um, uh, the, um, that, that edge. Um, and on, honestly, everybody lives on that edge. You go talk to people who have got big houses or whatever, they're on a kind of a mana plan. There's just, uh, at least in America, they say like, I think it was like 40% or something like that of people, um, don't, couldn't handle, handle a $400 charge. Like if their car broke down, that they would be in, in trouble, so to speak. And so, even in a, even in like one of the greatest societies ever, uh, we're on that edge. Um, and I've part of me getting closer to Jesus is becoming comfortable, not worried about that edge. Like I got food, I got clothing, I got shelter, I got tools, somebody to love. So I'm okay. And, and I don't have a, a desperateness and I don't, but I do. Um, have a pressure, uh, an, an urgency um, that I feel, um, and that's to reach out to God. So that's yeah, that's, that's the thought there. Oh, just you guys still there? Zoom just had a. A little electrical problem. You still there? Don't see you. Okay. Oh, I know why. I must not pick up that. As though. Yeah, we okay. just had we just had a little hiccup. Uh, so. And I think I'd just come to an end of uh, share. So anybody wants to share? Um, I have something, but I don't know if Jonathan wants to go first or. Well, and then I'll go. Okay. So I've actually been thinking a lot about our discussion last week and I actually listened to it again yesterday. And it's, it's kind of weird that I can be inspired by myself and by us at other times. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of weird. But like, as I was listening to it again, and I was able to catch more, um, and I actually sh shared uh, some of what we talked about with another group of people uh, that I talked with last Sunday after our meeting, and uh, about the whole idea, because they were like, what tools do we have to bring us to Jesus? And everyone was like, prayer, scriptures, like that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm going to say mental health. And then they were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, no, like, you don't know how much you need Jesus until you know how much you need Jesus. And then I would say more than anything, life's challenges and mental health, or like you both have been talking about putting your, you know, we've been talking about how you put your faith in, in Jesus. And, you know, like uh, my mom, my mom's always been a hundred percent for Jesus. And I've always been a hundred percent for Jesus. I'm not necessarily any religion, um, Although I'm still I'm still considered uh, with part of my my religion, but I'm saying I'm a hundred percent for Jesus in whatever aspect that comes. And uh, but yeah, it's just 
I don't know. That was just kind of one of my thoughts about last week. So I've been thinking about that a lot this week and just accepting, you know, life on life's terms, trying to do God's will, but just knowing that these challenges and things that we have, they are the crazy things, the things that drive us crazy that, that make us seek out Jesus, that make us look inside. And like when I look inside and I imagine Jesus talking, um, a lot of times it's the voice of wisdom. So I have that part of myself that I call wisdom. When I was a teenager, one of my counselors, my therapist was like, you know, like taught me to kind of how to look to yourself and look for when you're trying to work through things. So I actually, he had me call it like wise counselor. So I, I sometimes I'll say Jesus, sometimes I'll say God in my journals when I'm like writing. And, um, and every night I have a conversation, at least every night with God. And it always helps when I write it down. And again, I don't have to necessarily read it later. Like I usually do it in the dark with my eyes closed, but it's just more like I have to be able to focus enough to, to have that conversation. It's usually me talking. Like we've had a lot of talks. Like I've had tons of talks with Jesus. Like, like last night I was like, well, how do I split the money three ways? Like, should I do it equally or do I like, do I like, how do I split this? And and Jesus said to me, he was like, you do it however you want. There's not a wrong way to do this. And he's like, think of this more as a start rather than an end. So he was like, don't worry about that so much. Just do it however you want and just keep going. Cause I always want to do things exactly right. <laughs> and it really helped me to hear like, Oh, there's, there's not a wrong way to go about it. Just, just go, just move. <laughs> and if you try something, it doesn't work. You know, you do something else. Those are, those are my thoughts. So, um, so I, I, I heard a guy say once I loved that he put it this way. He said, it's, um, it's, it's a flaw that most of us have that we want to know before we know. So this, this will often happen when like you're talking to somebody, he, he talked about how he used to teach um, uh, speed reading and um, he would talk to people just randomly here and there. And they'd say, what do you do? And he'd say, Oh, I, I teach um, advanced learning skills. And they say, well, what's that? And he says, well, speed reading and other things. And, um, and he says they would they would make comments like um, they would say, well, I know nobody can read more than a thousand words a minute. And um, and it was always really strange to him. And he'd say, well, how do you know that? And they'd say, well, just nobody can read more than a thousand words a minute. It's just impossible, you know, and um there's something in us. I think sometimes it's like, it's like um, he was saying like they wanted to know before they knew. And here he says, I, I teach speed reading. You know, I've met many people who, who can read more than a thousand words per minute. Um, but there's something about humans that it's like, we want to have the answers before we've had the experiences that give us the answers. And that's why I think it's so important. Like this idea of the atonement or this idea of Jesus Christ this idea of somebody who like paid the price for our learning so that we can calm down and not worry about getting it right because you can't get it right until you've gone through the experiences that have taught you what is right. And so it's like, I've had the same thing where it's, it's felt like God has been saying to me, just act, you know? And, and I'm like, well, but I want to know the answer. You know, I want to know, I want to know the right way to do it. And he's like, He's like, stop thinking that. What I keep getting is stop thinking that way. Try it out. Try this. Try that. And so, so you really mean that I got to learn by experience? You know, it sounds a lot easier to just do it the right way the first time. 
And I think I kind of wonder if that's kind of a worldly idea is the idea that we have to do it. You know, it's like, it's like avoid all the pitfalls. Um, of course, if we fell, <laughs> I, I, I have to kind of look back on that a little bit and say, well, if we fell into every pitfall, we'd always be in a pitfall. So we have to learn by precept, by people teaching us. But um, I just love it whenever I get into that mode where I can relax and not worry about whether I'm doing it, quote unquote, right. I don't have to know before I know. I can I can come to know through through the experience of, of trying and failing and succeeding and et cetera. So that was my thought. Yeah. Um, several years ago when I, so I've always been a perfectionist. Like I, one of those kids that like, I didn't, I didn't know how not to get an A like, and I still don't because I'm just like somewhat, like I'm just so much by like a rule kind of person. So it's like, Oh, you have to do this to do get, get this. So I do that. And I get that. Like it just, the math works. I'm very logical for an artist, which is, um, partly why this series was so different for me. It was me trying to, like, I was so obsessed about trying to draw and do things realistically. And it was just causing me so much anxiety, so much anxiety for somebody that already has really extreme anxiety and gets um, like panic attacks and depression and, and, and will always have that. And so I needed to find a way to kind of combat that. And so that's actually a lot of what this experiment was too. And so when I first was doing these for a lot of years, it was, I did them especially in moments of anxiety when I was feeling really high anxiety, I was like, what if my anxiety can fuel something new and I can take that anxiety and power something. So for example, when I was getting my master's degree, uh, 2017 to 2020, and I made this project part of that. Um, but one of the things I had to do in a master's degree in 2018, I remember it was January, 2018, almost exactly, I guess, was that? Wow. Five years ago. Anyways, um, I had to write a 40-page researched paper in two weeks based on five questions, or was it five? Something like that, like four or five questions, and it had to be heavily researched. It was the most stressful thing I have ever done. I hated it, and I was so stressed out that I painted 45 paintings as well. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, I need a brain break. I'm just going to hurry up and go over and like, did you and so I would do my paintings in like five minutes, 10 minutes, and I would just do tons of them because I would just like, I would be going so insane. It's like I had to do something with this anxiety energy. And so that's part of where this came from is I had to put it to a good place. Like I was like, can something bad be something good? And that was, again, kind of like the whole premise behind how I started this. I need to get back into doing that more. Um, probably because I'm not in grad school, I don't have as much anxiety. And yeah. I have a and I have a really good job that I'm really enjoying. I don't feel as much anxiety. Doesn't mean I don't have anxiety because I definitely do, but it just I don't know. It's kind of that's why I said I needed you guys. I needed. I think I'm just at a different phase of the project, is what it is. Like I said, it's just different. But I do need to make art more, and I've been feeling that for like months and weeks. Like you just need to go make art. But sometimes, because I'm obsessive and I, I get stuck in things, so like that's why I created so many paintings. Um, like the first three years I did this, I did actually only about two years. I did about 400 paintings in two years with my left hand. And um, with grad school and with everything and with a baby, I had a new baby and I had like little kids. And 
And it was, so I get really obsessed and stuck on things. So it's hard for me to start. Like I love doing art, but it's hard for me to get started. I'm always getting distracted by other stuff because I also have a lot of ADD. And so it's just hard. But then once I start, I can get really into it and I really enjoy it. I don't know if you guys have stuff like that. Like I need motivation. Yeah, I like your story of, um, it, it's a story of conversion. I mean, I'm looking at it analytically um, uh, that um, here is matter unorganized. And so a lot of times the matter unorganized, it's inside of us. <laughs> and um, the ability <laughs> to take uh, um, what we've um, deemed this um, finding Jesus in the mess, uh, in our mess, um, is kind of a statement of that conversion. Because um, Jesus, there's many different ways he can be conceived. God, uh, like you say, wisdom, um, uh, but also light and truth. Um, I When I talk to my friends um, on the phone now, a phrase that always comes out of my mouth, as, as soon as they pick up, I'll say, hi, hey, anything lovely, good report or praiseworthy that you have to share with me? I seek after these things. And of course, I'm what I'm doing is taking a quote from uh, Article Faith 13. Um, but it is really what I'm I'm trying to convert the uh, conversation towards light and, and, and truth. And so a lot of times I'm trying to set up frameworks <clears throat> that allow um, kind of a bias towards light and truth because I live in a society that's darkening and dark and I have to deal with a lot of uh, uh, complexity that uh, yeah puts pressure upon me um, and learning to convert that pressure. So I don't know how these thoughts are um, necessarily connected, but I um, when you talk about where you have this feeling inside of you that's just pressing upon you, and it's not an anxiety, like one of the worst feelings um, on earth uh, when I experienced it, and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but being able to use that to power something um, good um, is um, re remarkable, and and I'm glad you... Um, you make a remark about it um, because I think there's a lot of people who are right now. So this week, um, God has impressed upon me how many people are suffering with anxiety, uh, depression, all these things. Um, I just talked to a friend who's on a couple's mission and he's talking about his family and how um, how many are on the covenant path uh, in LDS talk. That's like, yeah, you'd call it devout LDS. Um uh, and uh, his um, one of his children's gay, uh, um, and um, two others are this way or that way, and and it's just like um, a real mess, if you will. Um, if you were uh, devout LDS yourself, you're like, oh my goodness, what did we do wrong? <laughs> and my friend, of course, has resolved that. It's like uh, people have their choices. Um, and but his comment was like these other couples that are out there. He says it's situation normal, Greg, that the the youth um, that are um, 
following their parents in the devout pathway of faith is just fewer and fewer. It's um, and I I described to him um, a parable that Jesus told me, um, at least to comfort him somewhat. Um, Jesus told me that we live in uh, a dust bowl. So like there was a dust bowl back in the whatever it was. Um, 40, something like that um, in America um, because... going to throw out, this is dust and dirt. Let's do oh, some art with that the, since you're talking go. about dust and dirt. Okay, yeah, cool. the, go ahead. The dust bowl, that's right. Um, the, um, and so you could, um, what God was putting into my head, he said, you can be the best uh, farmer uh, with all the skills, all the knowledge, but if the environment in which you are practicing those those skills is a um, is you know you're not getting any rain um, and that the plants you plant get blown away, um, then you might not be able to shine. Um, and that's the nature of our current environment. The, the environment's getting harsher. You get certain outcomes. Other outcomes are um, are possible, and so. Um, paying attention to the environment in which we um, are raising kids or um, the environment in which we currently inhabit um, at least gives you an explanation like, oh, well, why are people so anxious, uh, so much anxiety? And there's a lot of different reasons for that, but that's... Um, Let's see. I wanted to share that because it's um, it, it has to do with the messiness of family life right now. And um, yeah, I come from a family where um, six of let's see what six of twelve. Uh, so like uh, half my, my sister is excommunicated. My other sisters, all the girls, like yeah, I'm out of here. Uh, the boys, uh, at least my um, blood siblings, yeah, we're. Still we're still in a devout, uh, what they call the covenant path. Um, uh, but, you know, half the family um, chose a different way. If it was fiddler on the roof, half the family goes like, yeah, I'm going to be marrying Gentiles and so forth. And so for religious devout people, that, that seemed like quite a mess. Like, oh, this is a terrible thing. For other people, like, oh, hallelujah, they found some freedom. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, there's, there's my thoughts. I patched together. Um, messy thoughts they are but um uh yeah i'm gonna just leave it leave it there and maybe it'll come back that's one of the reasons why i think you guys contacting me means so much is because of all my family and and even my husband and my husband's family including parents there's only a couple people everyone else like i talk to them and a lot of my friends too where i talk and and sometimes people that I dearly love, they come to me and they say, you're crazy for still believing this stuff. <laughs> Never one of them were raised. I, like, I, I, it happens all of the time, all the time. And so I've been talking to Jesus. I'm like, I need some people who are still religious in some way to help me, to help me to find Jesus. Because I feel like everywhere I go, I'm just getting told I'm crazy. And my husband actually does. My husband's not one that says that. Although when he kind of broke away from what you called the covenant path, um, starting in 2015, it destroyed me, like completely destroyed me. Um, I was like, is it, 
if your marriage isn't what you thought, is it still worth it? And it was a really heartbreaking time for me. And then, I mean, it, it's still, it's still hard. And just, but that is why I needed Jesus so badly. And that's about the time when I did kind of start these paintings kind of all within that time. And when I started grad school is because I was honestly looking for God. And I was like, I don't know what to believe anymore. And it took me a few, well, and, and the nice thing is that my husband has always been a hundred percent supportive. Like even with like the art money, I'm like, I'm going to donate it all. and like help others. He's like, you can do with it, whatever you want. Like, and he's always, but even if it wasn't from art, he would be like, you do whatever you want. It's fine. Like you do you. And we both have that idea of support. Like he has his things that he likes to do and his entrepreneurial stuff. And he has his YouTube stuff. And it's not necessarily making a lot right now. It's making some, but he has this dream and this idea. And I say, yeah, I can support you in that. And I think that's, what's really, really important. But um, it's not without stress. Like it's been like I told you guys before, I went to a lot of the addiction recovery stuff. That's the only way. Like, if I hadn't gone to that, I honestly don't know if I would have stayed married because I needed, I needed to find people who had hope. And I saw people, and I went to a, a woman's group. I still go sometimes. It's just the timing doesn't work really well. But I had these people who would like, I, had, I saw these hopeful people where they talk about these terrible places that their marriages were. And one of my friends came to me, like said to me one time from there, she was like, you know, you have to decide. She's like, yeah, you could get divorced, but you're going to end up with a whole different set of problems. And so she's like, you have to decide what kind of problems you want, you can handle and can live with. Like, are these problems like, yeah, he's not religious, but like, like my husband's a wonderful person. He's very, very kind. He's very thoughtful. Like I work, um, he actually doesn't really work right now. Like I work um, and I make pretty much all the money, but but he's a very good caretaker. He loves being with our kids. And I don't like being home during the day. I love people, as you guys can tell. And so I love talking to adults and like teenagers. I love that. And it makes me feel really fulfilled and happy when I get depressed over Christmas break because I am not teaching. Like that's how much I need, like teaching students and being with people is like my another coping mechanism of mine. Um, it's just, is being with those people. And so I was like, you know, at least I would, and I decided I'm like, I would rather be married to a very good, kind, supportive person than be married to somebody that's the same religion as me and who is a jerk because that happens a lot too. And so I think there's something to be said there. And that was, um, and I'm so thankful that that's something that I did stand by and that we did kind of work out and we're still not, I mean, it's still rough at times, but again, it's that, it's that love and support. Sorry, Jonathan, you have something you were going to say. I could go for it. Are you done? Is that, is that all? I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I just think that's that's cool. It's like I, I um, so people have this illusion that we all have the same religion. Just because you sit on the same pew as somebody else or you worship in the same place doesn't mean you have the same religion. I learned that a long time ago. I started to realize that it's like, you know, um, because when you talk to people privately, you end up discovering they think all sorts of things. You know, it's like, you know, you're, you know, you're going to this one faith and they believe such and such. But in a private moment with a friend, the guy's like, you know, I wonder if reincarnation is really, you know, true. And someone else says like, well, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I, I, I've been thinking this for a while, you know, and the truth is, is that it's like truth is so um, because truth is what it is. It, it's. um Oh, goodness. The the problem that we have is that we have just one set of eyes, one 
puny little tiny brain, which is infinitesimally small compared to the, the, the vastness of the universe and the vastness of truth. And, um, and it's like, uh, it's, uh, I think that was just my comment. It's, it's, it's a, I, I just, it, it does my heart joy to hear that, um, that you and your husband, because this is at the core of, um, of the spirit of Christ. This is at the core of the spirit of Christ. It's like, we are not cast off because we don't believe everything that he believes. Think about that. Don't you think that Christ has more faith than we? Don't you think that his 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 comprehension of truth and of is is more vast and broad? And if not Christ, well then God or the universe or even within like the twelve step program, they have this idea of of um, of uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, oh. Goodness, what was that? The program. Power. Oh, the higher power. Yeah. The higher power. And it's like, I, I love it that the guy that, that, that kind of founded all of that, he decided, you know, that he would he would not split hairs over people's comprehension or understandings of God. It's like, he decided, I will not split hairs over that. It's like, it's like, but the one thing that he had that, that he he did that the people coming had to have was a belief that there is something bigger than me. And there's even people who will go to the 12 steps who believe like, well, I don't even think I can believe in a u- universe or God or anything supernatural. But I know that the group is more than me. And so for them, the higher power is is. You know, I'm just one set of eyes, one brain, whatever, but I'm coming together with this group of people. And obviously the, the whole is something more than myself. And it's it's like a step in for them. And so it's like, well, what do we desire? It's like all of us, the, us three have kind of come from the um, the framework of, uh, at least we grew up in, in, at least in the Latter-day Saint framework or whatever. And there's this concept of like the idea of an eternal family. And we there's that concept, not just within that faith, but within all faiths, really, because there's like this idea that God is our father. Even people who who like view the universe as God, they have this idea that it's like, well, I am born of the universe. So I, I have a father. I am a child. So it's familial. It's not ecclesiastical. And the ecclesiastical can point to that. Churches can point to that. But the idea is that ultimately it's a family. And why is the phantom family so integral? Because you love your child. You love your child. And it doesn't matter what they do. You love them. And I love it when, when I see that couples can gain that within, within a, a marriage um, where they really come to view each other as one flesh. And it's like, am I going to split hairs with the one that I cherish with my beloved just because they hurt my feelings or they um, they don't see the world the way that I see it? Am I going to split hairs? Am I going to split apart this marriage? Am I going to split apart the very fabric of reality 
because for those children, the children's reality, it, they only exist as part the father and part the mother. So it's like so it's like the idea is that when we split family ties, what we're doing is we we and, and I'm I'm not saying there's not a place for it. I know there's a time and a place for all things, including divorce. You know, but but at the same time, it's like it's like when it happens, it's it splits apart. It's it's the very fabric of reality itself that has to be remade and and healed um, because oh. Anyways, I'm taking too long, but the the point being is is um is that it's so powerful this idea this this kind of love it's a love that um that it loves through the darkness and it comes out on the other side it doesn't oh excuse me it doesn't give up on people because they're different or flawed. Now they can be a child of hell. That's true too. And there's a time to leave. I get that. But there's something different about somebody who's flawed, weak, but honestly so. Honestly so. Not just not just headlong diving into hell. But yeah, anyways, I've uh, oh goodness! I'm sorry, it went too long, but no, I'll I, pass it back. I like yeah. it. I like it, Jonathan. So, I I haven't had the uh, marital tension that's uh, normal. Um, other than this, when I got born again, I became a Jesus freak. I mean, and I haven't stopped. So it's not like I I've I become more agnostic. No, I've kind of went the other direction, um, and. Um, my wife has said, Greg, we need to get on the same page because you can see my page is like um, Jesus street preaching, Jesus making Jesus movies, everything Jesus um, all the time. <laughs> and it's like um, Emily's talking about that conversion of energy, like her anxiety. Well, I know that deep down um, inside my lower chakra, as they call it, is this vast dark oil. Um, that, you know, could be described as anger or fear or whatever. And, and that's true of all, all of us. Somehow, and I believe it's Jesus, I learned to convert all that into uh, not paintings, but, um, but painting-like that I started um, converting this energy, this lower energy, instead of anger and uh, frustration, which I still feel, of course. Um, uh, but to a lot less degree, because I'm just resolving it. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I don't use that phrase. Instead, I use this phrase. Hey, Jesus, what would you do? <laughs> Hi, Jesus. Uh, and it's talking with Jesus. Um, that that inner uh, voice that uh, Emily's talking about. And that, um, in, that, that can separate couples as well, is that you have somebody who's going all in on, on their their religious um, un- understandings or preferences, and if they do so rigidly, but see that's not where Jesus takes me. Uh, um, he takes me to a place of Article Faith Eleven. I claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of my own conscience, and allow all men, and I allow my wife, and allow my kids 
to worship God, how, where, what they may. So oftentimes we use that scripture within LDS, Church of Jesus Christ in Latter-day Saint land, as a description of um, our body of faith versus like the Protestants and the Catholics and so forth. Yeah, they can go do, but in it applies internally as well that I allow people um, in my mental health ward, which I call them Cedar Creek ward, my um, mental health ward that I'm going to go do some um, uh, group therapy in here in about 30 minutes. Um, I allow each one of those. That's how I, I have a, a spirit when I go there. Hey, they can worship God how they want. And I'm joining together with them. But what's in my head may be different than what's in their head. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. In fact, I don't talk at church. I think I've explained that because what's in my heart and head is is divisive uh, because I'd like to go up there and share my testimony and prophesy. I'd like to prophesy and share some prophecies that Jesus gave me. Well, currently within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's kind of unusual to use that language to say, I'm going to prophesy. And, and, and I've got certain prophecies that I've actually written down, Jesus, and I call them that. So I'm I'm like a blatant Jesus. Um, so some people are subtle. So they'll say, oh, I was inspired. I say, I received revelation. It, it, and you say, well, that's semantics, right? And I prefer um, saying I'm talking with Jesus rather than uh, the Spirit's just kind of whispering to me. Nope, Jesus is talking to me. So it's very blatant, very explicit. And I understand when people don't like explicit movies. Oh, that's so explicit. Um, and they like subtle subtlety. But I had to have, my soul craved like, Jesus, if you're really there, <laughs> um, I need to hear from you, and I need to hear it loud. But the truth is, Jesus whispers to me too, but I amplify it by um, that blatant uh, worship style. And so that blatant worship style is um, not most people's cup of tea. Um, and it's not the way they roll. So I had to understand I have a different worship style, uh, and it's necessary for me to be all in with whatever that thing is that people call worship. Um, and so I have to navigate these waters. Um, so anyways, that's what I wanted to, uh, <laughs> that's why I have um, utmost uh, patience for like uh, your husband's journey, Emily, uh, and and Jonathan's journey. It's different. And, and I'm, but I have that patience because like, oh, similar me too <laughs> but it's not like uh, and i became an atheist and now everybody has to accommodate that no well, but what i can what i became is with about as much tension in fact i think some people would probably rather i didn't become an atheist <laughs> it'd be easier to explain like no oh, jesus doesn't say that because now i'm claiming um jesus is my imaginary friend who is real who is my therapist and i'm claiming jesus makes movies with me and, and that's how that's how I talk. I say, Jesus shows me visions. Right now, I'm working on a movie. So I'll give you an example of how blatant this is. But this is what Jesus, he keeps changing my language, and it gets more and more blatant. So making this movie right now is called Slow Vision. Uh, and I wanted to share this um, as Emily's doing this um, this messy picture of Jesus, because um, I, I actually thought of your um, making pictures as Jesus was telling me this. Um, so, cause what, it was one of the, it was a huge revelation and I, I'm so excited. I woke up this morning working on it 
so Jesus was telling me that there's there's visions that people are f- familiar with that are given like the prophets of old. So the, the, the things we understand in the scriptures is that visions, and, and we kind of imagine that when somebody says they had a vision, that it came like a movie, like play the movie. And so, um, you know, Isaiah sees a vision. It's like a dream, maybe. And he sees a dream. Um, but here I'm making a claim because Jesus told me, I'm showing you a vision, Greg, but what it's going to be like is also a movie, but it's a movie you're going to make with me. And that's why this movie is called Slow Vision. Uh, It's just part of a hundred part movie, but he's telling me something very interesting, which is, uh, see, what am, uh, well, I'll I'll stay with that. What if Jesus could show you a vision, um, but you had to, write it down as you received it. You're like, okay, so what's the first part of the vision, Jesus? Okay, so it's this, and you start writing it down. Well, that that steps outside of the tradition of, uh, and, and so if you declared, yeah, I received a vision, and it took me a month to receive it. People are like, oh, well, that's, nah, that doesn't fit the model. But that's what Jesus, he says, they don't understand, nor do you, Greg, understand slow visions, slow conversion so sometimes people think like getting born again like whoa um because a lot of the dramatic things in the scriptures that we talk about is conversions like happen overnight or within a, you know like within a 24-hour period like the holy ghost rushes in with fire what if uh, your born again experience was your conversion experience was over decades well that would be called slow born again that's like a labor i've given a Oh, I think I'm going to have my baby. My my water broke. Whoops, here it comes. Oh, the head's out. Well, that's fast. Slow might be like, uh, you've been in labor for like seven months? That's slow. And that actually pairs considerably. I did have a fast born-again experience. Uh, It was a matter of, uh, there was intensity and so forth, but there's a matter of months kind of. um, But what I realize it, it's, it's just continuing that I've got this thing and I trying to understand what is this? So I had to understand slow vision to also understand slow born again. And then he started just showing me slow conversion. So sometimes people can be converted to one part of his, his kingdom. Like uh, maybe they pay their tithing. Like, ah, oh, I, um, I, I just don't have a testimony tithing. But I feel like I should pay my tithe. They pay their tithing, and all of a sudden, you know, ten thousand dollars comes in because they they came up with fifty dollars. They um, and all of a sudden, for the rest of their life, they have a firm testimony. Oh, I totally believe it. But that same person may not have a big testimony of I don't know temples or sacrament. Like, well, why do we do this? And it might take another two decades to go. Oh. Because we're actually converted by experience. And so, Emily, uh, why your paintings were coming into my mind is because, like, even now, it's like it slowly comes into view. Um, uh, and, and part of it's because Emily doesn't take a pencil and sketch, like, here's the face, because she doesn't know where the face is initially, it's just like splatter, splatter. Um, and that's. I'm excited about this movie that Jesus is making, but what he's doing is sharing me a vision. So my, my very language, and I'm, I'm going to tie this back to 
um, how hard it has to be for my wife and others around me to be married to such a freak um, who is changing the language. He's like, oh yeah, I received the vision because that's what I'll be doing. I know the rest of my life. When Jesus shows me that, like, I just know something about my future. When people say, hey, what's been going on? Yeah, I just received the vision from God. Um, he just finished it up with me. Um, would you like to see it? What? I can see your vision? Yeah, it's it's done in a movie form. Um, it's just a movie, and you just made that up. <laughs> what do you think visions are? Jesus uses people's head, and he uses their brain as best they can, and then he plays the movie for them. The fact that mine, that Jesus does mine slow motion, and, and how I explain that, Jesus explained it to me is, um, what fun would that be, Greg, if I just did it in one instance? Um, uh, he, he likes to bond with me, but hey, let's let's build this thing. Uh, you know, you and I can hang out and we'll I'll, I'll show you this vision. Now, um, here's the first part. Like, oh, okay, I'll write that down. So I script it with them. Okay, now what happens next in, in this vision? And so, anyhow, that was, I, I just introduced this to use something that I know is doctrinally true, that I could I could prove it, um, but I'm not interested in that. Yes, in the world I am, I'm not a doctrinaire. I don't have anything to prove, like because I'm an idiot. Uh, maybe it's not doctrinal. Guess what? I don't care. Jesus shared it with me, um, and I believe Jesus before I'll believe any doctrinaires because I'm seeing it right in front of my face, and um, but. That's the tie-in is that I see Emily's paintings have uh, started encoding themselves on my mind. I see all these abstract things like, yeah, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus. And then I watch her as she's doing it like, yeah, there it is. That's Jesus. And, and how does he appear? And it doesn't just get encoded in my mind. It's It starts reinforcing like what happened yesterday. I'm helping this homeless guy and um, he had a perfect storm of calamity his he's a, a tree trimmer and his his truck broke and his other truck broke and he he got probably covid or something like that and then he loses his wallet and i told him i said "Woo, that's a perfect storm because i recognize it I'm like oh that's how jesus that's how jesus gets our attention i was telling him and i don't know if he liked my story um because uh he uh anyhow i don't want to go too deep, um, deep into his personal life but um what happened yesterday is we um, got him a, a, a place to live, uh, which is going to be a van, and it's going to be wonderful because God had, uh, Jesus had given me this van, the Jesus van. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with that? And, you know, it's all gutted out, so it's, but it's beautiful. I'm like, ooh, that's a nice place to sleep. So there's no, all the way from the dashboard, all the way back, it's just like, ooh, you could put your mattress there. And, um, the uh, place he's in right now has got black mold. So he's got some campers and all black mold. And um, okay. But yesterday um, I'm, we're trying to pull out the snow. It took you hours to, um, um, you know, Jesus um, chooses sometimes the weirdest times to actually do these things, to have things break down. So, um, but it had all the markings. So my friend got worried because, <laughs> so he calls his other friend and um, Travis and Travis comes, and it was beautiful. Um, it, it was a mess, but it's like um, Emily's paintings. It starts like, oh, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Um, 
because he starts pro, um, he starts um, preaching, and I could hear things I needed to hear from him, and I knew, uh, and so that um, anyhow, that's uh, that's a smattering I know of words, a word salad, I guess they call it, um, but uh, pointing, and I'll I'll leave it and get back to you, Jonathan, um, that. That's uh, Jesus in the in the mess, um, and um, oh no! And I wanted to tie it back to Emily's experience that and mine with regards to the marriage t- tension and, and and family tension that uh, these separations of beliefs and ways of doing things. But I wanted to also emphasize my wife has been kind throughout. Um, and so, uh, apparently I'm kind person too, because I said, you can always leave if you need to leave. I, I would totally, if you duck, <laughs> you can leave. No, it would be me who leaves. Um, but, um, I, had, I would understand if she would have had to dump me and like, now nah, I, I get it. I've, um, I've, I've split, um, in, in so many ways, but it is kindness and God that's shown us through, uh, Jonathan, um, you take Take the talking stick. I saw your hand raised, um, and I'm going to go get um, dressed for uh, my mental health ward, um, uh, and I'll be I'll be back to sign us off. Um, we got probably about another 15 minutes, uh, but I, I got to get dressed because I have to swing my arm at the music. But go ahead, Jonathan. Are we? I'll be quick, and I'll get it to you, Emily, um, while he's. But I, I was just going to say, he, um, so so the two things, number one, um, we're talking about the, the marriage thing, and, and you brought it back to that. What you're talking about, about, you know, like um, seeing it, uh, there's something about faith. That was what I wanted to comment on, was just that there's, it's like you have to believe it's there. It's like, it's like... And that's what I've discovered is often different is that for one person that are coming and um, for them, it's just a horrible time. And for another person, they're like, I think God's trying to talk to me. Um, and I spend my life like, like, like I tend to err on the side of God is trying to talk to me. You know, sometimes I'll hear God say, you know, this is just this is just dumb luck. And that's rare for me, but, you know, I can read, I like, I can see God talking just about everything. <laughs> and, um, and so, um, but that's how you grow. I, and that I was, that he made me think about that with the whole vision idea. It's like, it's like, well, do you believe that your life is a vision of beautiful things? Do you believe that God is revealing some beautiful thing in your life or, or do you believe that it's just all happenstance and, I kind of wonder if the reason that some people see it is because they believe that it's there. But I know that was kind of a little bit of a sidetrack, so maybe you wanted to go back, Emily, to what we were talking about before, but I'll give it over to you. Yeah, you have I have some say? thoughts. Oh, I do have something to say. Um, I really loved, and I wish Greg was here for this. Maybe he'll catch it later. But I really love the whole idea of getting a vision in line at a time. Um. And that actually feels a lot more accurate to me. Uh, I don't think it happens all at once. So for me, sometimes, like, even with, like, I would say my art is kind of like visions for me. And when I'm writing, 
and I'm writing in my journal. It's kind of like, and like probably when you're writing your poetry and stuff, it's like you get a line, but then sometimes I think about it a lot and I come back to it another day. And and so sometimes it keeps growing. Like a lot of my paintings today, I've done just a, a lot of training prep, like prep and surface prep, for so getting some boards ready for later. But um, but the whole I, I just really like that idea, and I like the idea of of visions like that and and revelation and just being more upfront about it. I also really love the idea of even when you're all like in a a similar uh like congregation, like you all are complete. Everyone's completely different. And I think um, usually Greg talks about Zion or something. He hasn't said that today. And, uh, but us- but I think that's really what Zion is. I think that's what it means to become like Zion is to just love and accept people with these different beliefs and with these different backgrounds. And that's one of the reasons I used to love attending my um, the addiction recovery meetings I went to, because I would learn about different people and what they were going through. And I would find so much hope together there. And I kind of feel that here, too, where it's like you can come from different things. And I feel like that is a, that's a Zion thing. It's loving people and letting them believe different and express their different beliefs. And I, and I think that that's really what, what it means to come together and, and be one in Christ. You know, it's just that we are all, you know, I, I think there's, I don't know where it is. I can't think of it. I want to say it's in Romans, but it's like, you know, we're all the body of Christ and we all have these, you know, and maybe we do have these different beliefs. You know, like another time we could talk about, like Greg said, one of his friends believes in reincarnation. I totally believe in reincarnation in multiple lives. I think it makes so much more sense. <laughs> and I totally believe that. And like, it makes perfect sense to me. Like how else could Jesus have like, and that's a whole nother topic for another time. And that's kind of maybe a weird belief. And at first I thought it was weird, but I'm like, what do you think it is? Like pre, I don't know exactly what, I think some of that means we're living with God. And then some of that means that we're down on earth. But I think, I think we have many different experiences that we go through to learn because you couldn't learn it all in one short little earth life like i think you know we learn by making mistakes if by doing and so how could you do that you didn't keep going and i don't know what the different existences look like but it, i mean we already kind of believe that a pre-exist a lot of people there's a pre-existence there's an earth life there's um a spirit world there's celestial kingdom there's different kingdoms like that's already like four different existences um if you think about it but we're still the same um we're still a you know, an intelligence of some sort. And how do you learn to get more intelligence? Well, you have to live. You have to try different things. That's totally a sidetrack. I should have maybe not have gone off on that. But um, but it's just, I uh, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. But I love that. I guess I'm just saying I love that we can come together and have those different beliefs. And I wish that I would love to make it so that more of the areas in my life could be like that. Like I have some friends that are no longer um, the same religion and they're some of my best friends and we still get together and, and talk and we're, it's really actually been kind of a move to come even closer actually. And I think the whole point is that like, I can talk about, like I told them about how I'm doing this and they're like, that is so cool. And they can be like so loving and accepting and then they can have another path. And I'm just like, everybody has a path and it's, it doesn't look like everyone else's. And, and, you know, whether or not, you know, you're atheist or you believe in Jesus, even if you don't, like, there is a path and there's something to help you learn and grow. And I don't know. That's just stuff I think about a lot. Well, I, I you know, that's, um, I, I kind of get the feeling like, um, I wonder if that's the difference. Um, that's the difference between the two 
um, worlds. It, I came to this last night. So I, I've been working really hard for two weeks and I've been trying to do like what Emily does and just do whatever I say, the right thing. And I've been getting a lot done, but nothing to show for it because they, they're all little projects that are in, in process of being finished. And, um, and then yesterday, I just fell apart yesterday. And I think part of it was, you know, I, I, I was around some people for a little while who, if they were, if it were up to them, they would mold me into what they are. Um, they don't, they don't want to hear anything that's different than what they already believe, even though they, they, they do kind of feign that they, they, in a way they, they want new knowledge within their own little box, but you know, they, all they had was just criticism for things that I cherished. Um, and I kind of walked away and, and I was like, what is wrong with me today? I am just feeling like I can't do anything, you know? And at the very end of the day, I sat, I, I, I'd been riding all day trying to get my soul straight. And at the end of the day, I, I made two columns. And on the one hand, the one column, this is, I think, what you're describing, Emily, forgiving, repenting, finding meaning in the mess, building bridges, connecting based on spiritual things. And then the other side was condemning, accusing, judging, persecuting, defending, setting up camps, allies and enemies, feuds and over outward things. And I, and I, and it, when I, when I kind of finally came to that, I was like able to relax. I was like, oh, yeah, I just don't want that anymore. That right hand column where it's, it's all right, and I have to have the right religion, and I have to have the right everything. It's like. It's like I, the reason I like to talk to other people is because I believe that they actually have something that I can gain. Like I, I want that truth that they found. I found I found people who don't believe in God at all. And, and sometimes they have the most insightful things to say about, you know, looking in from upon us who believe in God. It's like they have a perspective that is so needful so that in God's eternal plan, like they're needful. Um it's so strange. I can't. I for. I guess that I think that is Zion, Emily. I think you're right. It's that's is 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 that spirit of love and and desiring to believing that each person is needed despite our differences. Okay, I'm done. Can't hear you. Uh, yeah, tell us about your painting um, that you've been doing. I, I was curious from this. Get oh, I've been doing, I've been working on four different ones. Okay. So this is the one, this is the one from last week that An Anson just bought. And um, I just putting, I usually seal paintings with like a, a stuff. So they're like really durable. So I'm just sealing it. And then there's just a couple parts that I was lightening. So he stirred out just a little bit. So that's what I was just doing right now. Um, so that one I can let dry. I did it at the end because it smells really bad. And I've got to open a bunch of windows and turn on. I need to put like a good ventilation system down here. Maybe I will. But like, you know, I've got like a little kitchen down here. Maybe I should put like a big stove hood and like pipe it outside because it's it's really toxic. Um, this one I'm not quite done with. I'm going to put some of this stuff on here. Um, there's kind of like a little face on there. I've just been doing a lot of mud and dirt today. Like you said, we're, we're the dust of the earth, the dust bowl. Those are some of the ideas. 
Uh, oh, what, what, um, what did you write on this on one the I wrote down. So I was writing down different things on them. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. So on here, I wrote your whole idea of slow conversion and how visions come align at a time. And I just told, you'll have to listen to what we said when you were getting ready. I was telling Jonathan how I love that idea. And that, I, that it really is how I think vision and revelation comes. And I think it's fine to say, and I'm, I think it's fine to say you're a prophet. I mean, in, in Moses, I mean, Moses talks, you know, I would to God that all of you were prophets, something yeah, like that. I agree. I think that. Yep, yeah, that's right. And I think that that's, that's great. And I, and I love that idea. Um, so that one is, this one's probably about halfway. I'm going to add some of this clear, cause this is mud and dirt. And if I don't add this stuff dries clear, it's like a polyurethane. And if I don't put this on the mud and dirt, like just comes off. So I have to like put a lot of sealant and like heavy stuff to like glue it on kind of. So I've got to do that in a minute. And then this is one of my, so I picked two big paintings that I've never really liked or like loved. And I've just been preparing the surface. I've just been mixing water and oil on this and white and some dirt. So I'm going to let this one dry and then we'll do a surface on this another time. That one, I didn't write anything on the back. Um, this first one I did, you saw how my paintings start out. Um, well, one of the ways they start out, sometimes I have ones that I put on here, but I just put, I just put a lot of random materials on here to give it a texture. And so this also has to dry so that it can get a gold texture. But things I wrote on here, this one, I'll probably call my paintings this. This one I called Matter Unorganized in Their Heads, um, because that was something that you said <laughs> earlier that I liked. And, um, and then I wrote on the back, we are not cast off because we don't believe everything he God believes. And Jonathan, that was something that you said. Like I said, I have ADD, so I gotta write, I like writing down like what we're talking about in the paintings, and it kind of becomes part of the life of the painting. And like so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see where these go. I like that. Well, and we're about ready to wrap up. Is there anybody you want to make a comment before we go? So, so one of the things I just thought, I think Dee just put my heart uh, to say as we sign off um, uh, is remember Jesus is in your mess too. He's in our mess, <laughs> but he's in everyone's mess. So look for him. Um, and I'll, I'm, I'm headed to church. I bet I'll see him in that mess too. Um, so um, may you guys have a good Sabbath day. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.